Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. We are concluding... Can you believe it? Our fall series, it comes to an end tonight. And uh, we're just thankful that everyone could come. And for our visitors, we're so glad that you are here as well. Neil Pollard is with us tonight, and we're so very thankful and fortunate and overjoyed to have him. He preaches for the Lehman Avenue Church of Christ in Bowling Green, Kentucky. He's been preaching since 1987. And uh, I don't know if I've ever met Neil until just today. Our paths just haven't crossed, but I have got to see him uh, quite frequently on World Video Bible School. And uh, you remember Neil, everybody. He was just on the screen here a couple weeks ago when we showed that Sunday evening. And so that's him, and he's here, and we're so very thankful. And uh, it's the Light of the World series that he and Hiram Kemp work on. And I, matter of fact, I talked to you on the phone last week, and he was in Texas recording some more lessons for Light of the World series. And so we're very thankful for his abilities and his willingness to build up the kingdom in this generation in which you and I live. He has three sons who all preach, Gary, Dale, and Carl. And Dale preached at Farley Church of Christ for a couple of years, and now he's back in Kentucky. So a uh, very... Happy to have him. You know, our, our series theme has been sharing wisdom about. And tonight he's going to be talking to us about overcoming temptation. Good evening. Good evening. Okay, make sure you're out there. It is wonderful to be here. Um, I am thankful to be able to participate in this series. And I wanted to begin by saying I know that there are, I look out and see several connections that I have, some of which are fairly long-standing and go back as long as I've been preaching, but none is deeper and means more to me than the bond and the, the appreciation I feel for Glenn and Cindy Colley. Uh, there is a very real sense in which I realize I wouldn't be standing here tonight uh, if it were not for especially the influence that Brother Glenn has had in my life. About 29 years ago, I was holding a meeting in Winston County, and Glenn was preaching at the 6th Avenue Congregation and had me on Words of Truth Radio uh, there in Jasper before I was to preach that Sunday morning. What Glenn doesn't know was I didn't sleep all night. I was so sick with uh, my nerves that uh, I just went all the way through the night, and then I met him. He picked me up in a Honda Accord, and we went uh, to record that program. He encouraged the church at Cold Harbor to give me a try to be the preacher there when I was 24 years old, and uh, the rest, as they say, is is history as far as the doors of opportunity that God has opened. Glenn has always been an encouragement. He published a lot of my writings when I was a very young preacher, and really will never know how much he and, and his family have encouraged me. We're here to talk about overcoming encouragement. And to think about that particular subject in the vein of doing this in a Wednesday night series is to talk about it in the context of the church. And to speak of the church is to speak of people. And to speak of people is to speak of sinners. 
We are not perfect, but we're pardoned. And we're grateful that because of this, we have help in overcoming the difficulties and the problems that we face in life. And that's true of our subject tonight. We benefit because we are those who believe in the Lord. We believe that the Bible is His inspired word. We believe that He gives us resources that help us in the ways that we stand in need. And as we look to His Word, we see that there are times in which He gives us precepts. There are times in which He makes implied statements through His inspired men that help us to derive the truth of His Word. But He also gives us examples. We appreciate the fact that the history is a teacher. And those who make up history can show us ways in which we ought to live. Now, if we think about our own past, we think about ancestors that we owe so much to because of the great example that they lived in front of us. And so often they were able to do so much with limited resources and opportunities. And how often do we talk about how those in our past, our forefathers, were those who lived moral and righteous lives. And we look at our own lives and we see a comparative spiritual decline As compared to them, we might even say concerning some particular issue that if they were living, then these things probably would not occur. So often we look backward and we see the examples of those who went before us and it's a good thing and we benefit from it. We stand on their shoulders, but you know, there are some times when we look backwards and we find examples of how not to behave. And one of those examples is an example that is in the context of our passage tonight. There was a generation that was so filled with faithlessness and disobedience that God washed their hands of them. And the Apostle Paul uses them as an example to encourage the Corinthian Christians in the life that they were living not to follow their example. And so as we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we see how the Apostle Paul uses them as an example. He says, as an example, they are those who ignored their enormous blessings that they received. Remember how Paul says that he wanted them to be mindful of their fathers who had passed through the clouds and had passed through the sea? And they were baptized into Moses through the clouds and through the sea and they all ate of the same spiritual food and they all drank of the same spiritual drink. For that, uh, They drank from that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ and yet God was not pleased with them for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1 through 5. They had every spiritual advantage that they needed to succeed. They had one of the greatest leaders of all time as their leader in Moses, verse 1 and 2. God provided for all the needs that they had, verse 3 and verse 4. And yet despite this, they lived way beneath their blessings. And so the Apostle Paul would use this as an encouragement to us because we've been given more than even they had. We are lacking in no regard whatsoever. We have the perfect word to lead us and to guide us. Not only that, we have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. We have a God who gives us everything that we need. James chapter 1 verse 5 and verse 17. And so we will stumble and fall despite our advantages, not because of them. Paul says, I want you to look at these people, this wilderness generation... And I want you to see that their example was they ignored their blessings. 
But as you continue to read, you'll find that Israel also indulged their flesh. And so what Paul is going to do in verse 6 through verse 11 is he is going to walk through a catalog of some of the areas of their life in which they succumbed to temptation. They did not resist. They did not overcome temptation. Paul says they're an example for you. And we're not to crave evil things as they craved evil things. We're not to be idolaters as some of them were idolaters. As it is written of them that Israel sat down to eat and to drink and they rose up to play. Neither are we to commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 of them fell in one day. Nor are we to tempt Christ as some of them did. And they were bitten by serpents. Nor are we to grumble as some of them grumbled and they were destroyed of the destroyer. Now these things are written as an example for us for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. That's reading from verse 6 down to verse 11. The Apostle Paul is really cherry picking some of the lowlights of that generation in which they were faced with temptation. And instead of resisting it, instead of overcoming it, they submitted to their flesh. That was the problem. And you can go through and you can see how he pulls from the Pentateuch these various incidents as we read through the first five books of the Old Testament, particularly as we look at Exodus and Numbers. And we can see how the people of God in that generation, they gave in to their flesh. We aren't to crave things as they crave them. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 4. You remember there were some of the rabble that were among the Israelites and they wanted food like they had back in Egypt. And so God sent them the manna and they still weren't satisfied. That's an example that Paul is using. And the idolatry example. We remember that's when Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And you have the people of God thinking, Moses, where is he? We need a leader. Who's going to lead us? What's going to happen? And so Aaron leads them in the worshiping of the golden calf. It's recorded for us in Exodus 32, verse 4 through 6. And they worship pleasure and comfort. They've displaced God. The sexual immorality was actually the greatest uh, attempt of Balaam to subvert what God would not allow him to do with his mouth. In Numbers 25 and verse 1, 23,000 die when they give in to sexual immorality, fornication on that occasion. And then there's the time in which they continue to complain in Numbers 21 and verse 5, and God sent the fiery serpents, and they had to look at the brazen pole in order to live. And we find that they grumbled. And Scripture tells us how in that grumbling, Deuteronomy 127, for example, Moses is reviewing what's taken place through these 40 years, and he said, you grumbled in your tents. I would encourage you sometime to go through and look how often the, those, that generation grumbled and they complained. Now that's the background in which a passage that is so helpful to us is found. The Apostle Paul is reminding them that this generation of Israel, they found themselves in the face of temptation, putting up no resistance to it at all. And as that next generation is going to find in Joshua chapter 7, that God is not going to allow their plans to succeed when sin goes unchecked in the camp. And the Apostle Paul earlier in this letter has use this or could use this as an example to help them with a circumstance that had arisen. You remember in 1 Corinthians 5 when a man had his father's wife? He had given in to a temptation. Many of us may not be able to understand. And as the result of this, a little leaven leavened the whole lump. 
introduced into this, after this particular introduction, we have the Apostle Paul giving the people some resources some resources that could help them in the battle that all of us face. Because if this was a struggle that the people of God had as Moses was their leader, if it was a problem that the Corinthian Christians could have, we know full well that it's something that we struggle with and we need the resource and we want to know how can we overcome temptation. Now before we look at 1 Corinthians ten thirteen by itself, I want us to notice that Paul gives kind of a game plan for how you can approach temptation and be successful. There are three things you've got to do. First of all, you've got to be humble, verse 12. You have got to avail yourself of God's help, verse 13, and you have got to be ready to run. If we look at verse 12, we see the Apostle Paul saying, Therefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. When we look at temptation, we need to realize that we have the tendencies. We have the proclivity that we will, if we're not careful, give in to our flesh. So great as David and Solomon and Peter fell hard in temptation. And so we are to approach this subject of the sin temptations in our life with great humility, not ever saying, this could never happen to me. I won't fall prey to that. Then we are to avail ourselves of God's help. We need to realize that God is faithful and there is no temptation that we are ever going to face that is bigger than God. When we introduce God into the equation, we're going to be successful with his help. And then there's the idea of running in verse 14, fleeing from these things. We cannot tolerate and embrace and look fondly at the temptations in our life. Joseph would not have been successful if he had simply stood there with Potiphar's wife. And so as we think about these resources that God has laid open for us, I want us to go to that middle one. Avail yourself of God's help. And I would like for us, for the time that we have left, to look at three ways that we can overcome temptation. First of all, we can overcome temptation through the fellowship of others. Notice how the Apostle Paul begins 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You know, we have so much in common, and, and, and it sure seems to be that it's helpful to us when we realize that other people can know what we're going through or that we're on a, a level playing field with them. I dare say that it's probably true that very few of us here tonight are capable of hiking up Mount Everest. Would you agree with me? How many of you think that you could win possibly the Tour de France? Anybody here think that they can hit a major league fastball? Now, when you think about the fact that when it comes to hiking or biking or just about any athletic activity, we're all pretty much, so to speak, on a level playing field. There are, we have that. We understand each other in that way. How about intellectually? I know I'm in a very smart part of the country. But they still say that 95% of all people who take an IQ test, that their number is going to be between 85 and 115. Very likely many of us are in that range. Only 5% are going to score lower than 70 or over 130. So there may be some variation in that, but all of us pretty much are in the same place intellectually. 
and financially. Forbes did a study in which they find pretty much the same thing every year. It does depend on the state and the occupation and the gender. But overall, the average American worker in the average American state makes about $50,000 per American worker. And despite that variation, most of us can have some kind of an understanding of a level playing field in that regard. But you know, when it, it's, it is the, the fact that as we look out spiritually, that each of us is coming from a different place. We have unique temptations in our lives that perhaps in some sense, nobody else does. But in a general way, it's helpful for us to know that what we're going through is something that's common to every man. And what's really helpful in the context of this assembly tonight is it's helpful for me to know, no matter what we may project, that all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ are going through the same thing. It helps me to know that I have the fellowship of others and God has placed others in my life in the body of His Son so that I can be of help to them and they can be of help to me as I go through temptation. You know, this idea of this togetherness, this fellowship is an idea that's emphasized in the New Testament. This Christian fellowship that we enjoy is emphasized in the one another passages. If you think about the several times that inspired writers talk about us in relationship to one another, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, that we are to serve one another. As we find ourselves here to help one another to go to heaven, we're going to be at each other's disposal to help, and that includes when we're facing temptation. But 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 18 tells us that we are here to comfort one another. And so what about when I fail and when I fall? It would be included, wouldn't it, in this idea? Or how about Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, that we are to exhort one another. You know, it's, it's funny to me or ironic that this particular passage is also talking about the wilderness wandering generation. And we're to exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of us should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And so we're here to help one another by exhorting and encouraging to keep doing the right thing and to resist temptation. Or how about Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 in an assembly context where he says that we are to consider one another. One of the powerful things about assembling and about being in each other's life is that we know one another. And through that, we have a familiarity that can cause us to be an an asset, a resource for a brother and sister in Christ. How about 1 Peter 1 and verse 22, where we are to love one another. Or 1 Peter 4 and verse 9, where we're to show hospitality to one another. These one another passages give us this uh, feel of Christian fellowship That is a resource that can help us to overcome temptation. It's the trouble comes when we begin to isolate ourselves from one another. That temptation can get a stronger foothold. But this Christian fellowship is also seen for us, isn't it? In the example of the early church in Acts chapter 2 verse 44 through 47. Right after the church literally is established, you'll find that they were together. They, uh, they knew the importance of being together, and so do we. And, and you know what? It's not just a matter of saying it's important to be together. It may be that we need to initiate that. We need to initiate the opportunities where we have brothers and sisters into our homes and into our lives so that we can help build a network of support when temptation comes. 
Not only were they together, but they had things, all things common. The idea there by principle being that we're here to help one another when there is a need that arises. They had daily contact. Think about the fact that because of our jobs typically take us out into the world that we spend so much more time surrounded by our spiritual enemies than we do with our spiritual allies. We need to spend more time with the allies and less time with the enemies in order to build that particular strength when it comes to temptation. They had their fellowship centered around God. And of all the things that we can do together, by the way, I probably should have told you this before I started so that you would know whether or not to listen to me. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. Born and bred, I did not, uh, who's a bandwagon Georgia fan? But you know, there's a, there's a fellowship that we have together, us Bulldog people, and that is no matter how much of a favorite we are, we expect that we're going to lose. That's just the opposite of an Alabama fan, I'm sure. But there's something that draws us together. And I, I enjoy folks that like sports in the congregations where I've preached. It's a fun thing to talk about. You know, I like to hunt. I like to talk to folks who like to, to do that. We got a dairy cow back in August. Her name is Peaches. So, you know, Peaches and Cream. And uh, now I have found there's a lot of people at church that are talking to me in deeper conversations because they were raised on a dairy farm than before. I, I love those touch points. But there's nothing more important that draws us together than the spiritual bond that we have in Christ. And while we need to to form those well-rounded relationships, as we look at the early church, we see how that their bond was so strengthened by the spiritual. Now the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Christians there to realize that we're not alone as we find ourselves in the battles that we face. When you think about the struggles of temptation, realize that God helps us to overcome through the fellowship of others. When we think about the fact that every one of us understands temptation, it's important for us to see that even God the Son understands that. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, Scripture says that it was necessary that Christ had to come in the flesh to be made like His brethren, to be tempted so that He might be a faithful and merciful high priest in things pertaining to God in order to make atonement for the sins of the people. And so much that He was tempted in what He suffered, He is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You're more familiar with Hebrews 4 and verse 15 where the Hebrews writer says, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. When we consider the fact that our Lord as he walked this earth also understood and experienced temptation. When we come to the resources of scripture that we'll talk about even in the rest of this lesson, God knows. He knew before we did that we would be tempted God the Son experienced it. I love the words of the psalmist in Psalm 103 in verse 14. He knows that we're but dust. He knows who we are. And with that consideration, the Apostle Paul, I believe, helps us with one resource that helps us to overcome temptation, and that is the fellowship of others, including our high priest and our mediator, Christ. We can overcome temptation. We can overcome it through the fellowship of others. We can also overcome it 
through the faithfulness of God. Here's the heart of the passage. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation provide a means of escape so that you may be able to bear it. What we need to understand is that we're going to overcome temptation not just through the common human condition, but we're going to be able to overcome through the resources that God has given us that can help us, enable us to overcome temptation. I want us to notice the three things that he mentions here in this particular part of the verse. He indicates to us that God is proven. God is faithful. And for us to understand how much our spiritual success and overcoming depends on us grasping this fact, that word faithful is not found a multitude of times in the New Testament, but it's significant that when it's spoken of with regard to God, what is indicated. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, we realize that it's because of the faithfulness of God that our salvation is offered to us. On what basis do I have the ability to be saved? The faithfulness of God. In fact, all of the spirit, the promises of God rest on His faithfulness. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Our forgiveness of our sins is based on the faithfulness of God. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. I can't be in Christ. I can't go to heaven I cannot survive the temptations of this life without the faithfulness of God. So as I consider the fact that God has proven himself to me, he is helping me with the resources I need to overcome temptation. In his faithfulness, he is saying, I want you to bring to me the things that you struggle with in prayer. You know, the Sermon on the Mount was foundational. Jesus has not long begun his public ministry when he gives us the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And in the model prayer, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, as I look at that particular passage, I may think of circumstances I can remember. Maybe you've known people who've said the same thing. They said, I I don't feel like God is involved at all with regard to this thing I'm struggling with. And how often when that's the complaint that's made, has one not taken that to God in prayer? Specifically, bearing our soul, holding nothing back from the omniscient one who knows it all anyway, and saying to God, I'm struggling with this, and in this way, and I need your help with these specific things. I think about what Paul says in Philippians 4 in verse 6. We're to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. And so God is going to be faithful in taking what we bring to Him in prayer and helping us. I also look and see that He exhorts me to stay away from those areas that can lead me into temptation. I know that God wants to lead me away from sin and not into sin. And he does so through his inspired writers. Think, for example, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9, where the apostle Paul is speaking uh, to Timothy in the church at Ephesus. And he says that those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful lusts which plunge men into ruin and destruction. He is saying here is an area and there are many others 
where we are prone to temptation. And he says, here's the root cause and I want you to be encouraged to step in the other direction. When I think about the faithfulness of God, I see how he also wants to give me a spiritual perspective in the things I'm going through. So we're talking about going through temptation. And there's an earthly way to look at this. I'm just too weak. I can't overcome that. Or um, I'm going to do it because everybody else is doing it, whatever it is. Or this is so terrible, I feel targeted. James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. Knowing that the trial of your faith works endurance. And endurance, when it has its perfect work, will make you perfectly complete, lacking nothing. God says, I want you to look at this as a spiritual growth opportunity. You can be made stronger. God is faithful. He has proven himself. And he says, let me show you there's a spiritual perspective. This can refine you as you resist it. And I also think about how God's faithfulness is shown in that he helps us to see an eternal perspective when it comes to the temptations that we face. Remember 2 Peter 2 in verse 9, God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust for punishment under the day of judgment. God is trying to help me to see past today. I may be thinking about the here and now, but he wants me to think about forever. And so as I look at the resource that God is, God is proven. But he's more than that. God is one who will protect. Listen to the next phrase. He says, he will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. It's a very interesting way for him to put that. Now, depending on what translation you have, it's still going to say something similar. Not permitted. Now, this is a word found 11 times in the New Testament. Ia'o. And that word carries with it the idea of a forbidding. For example, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 41, the demons wanted to speak and the Lord would not permit it to be so. Or how about in Acts 16 and verse 7, where Paul and his fellow missionaries, they wanted to go into Bithynia and the Spirit would not permit it. Now don't misunderstand me. God is not going to overtake your will. God is not going to interfere with your free will. Even in the miraculous age of the New Testament, God did not operate in that way. But here is the idea. I can have confidence that God will not allow a temptation that is too big for me. So often we have convinced ourselves and we need to realize we're not thinking in a God-like way. We're not thinking as he would counsel us when we say, I just can't resist. God will not permit it. He'll protect us as we submit to his will. He also will provide. He will provide a means of escape that we may be able to bear it. Now, as I think about that, that may come in an older Christian. A Christian who I go to and I seek advice and I ask to pray with me. That may come and me asking to have a, 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 an accountability partner. Whatever the sin struggle may be, if it is a sexual sin with regard to adultery or uh, pornography, if it is an ethical sin like lying or cheating or whatever it is, God will provide a way of escape if I will take that. And it may also mean that as I'm aware of what I'm going through, I'm going to be on the lookout for those who are struggling in the same way. As I look at the character of God, God wants me 
to succeed. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, he doesn't want any to perish. Now that's the ultimate outcome. But as I'm walking through this life, God is demonstrating to me that he wants me to win. He wants me to overcome and to succeed when temptation occurs. And so as I think about the resources that help me, I can overcome temptation through the fellowship of others, but also through the faithfulness of God. But I also find that I can overcome temptation through the fortitude of character. That you may be able to bear it. You know, we have a promise here that we can overcome. Roy Sullivan was a big burly park ranger in Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. And from 1942 to 1977, he was struck seven times by lightning. And he survived every one of them. This poor man was all over the place where he got struck by lightning. It wasn't like he went to the same spot and he got struck there. One time he was in a ranger tower and he was struck there. On another occasion, he was stepping out of his truck and he got struck. Another time he was just walking out of his house and he got struck by lightning. He was checking on a campsite near Skyline Drive and he was struck by lightning. He was fishing in a freshwater pool and he was struck by lightning. You know, you might say that he is, the, and by the way, he, he was, his skin was burned. He had chest and, and shoulder burns. He, was, he caught on fire one time. Uh, his shoulder was injured. He, he injured his ankle. I don't know if you'd say he's the luckiest or the unluckiest man alive. But this man was one that seemed to fall into trouble over and over again in a very specific way. Maybe sometimes you think about your spiritual life and you feel like you're being bombarded in some area and you just can't make it through. I'm thankful to know that God indicates to us that we are able to bear it. Some things that we can do to help us to build our character in the face of temptation, first of all, is to visualize Visualize the outcome of giving in to temptation. So often when that temptation comes, all we're seeing is the immediate benefit in front of our eyes and we can't see past that. What would it do for us if we could visualize how what we were going to do that we know is on the wrong side of God's ledger, how that's going to affect our spouse, how it's going to affect our parents, our children, the church, and the world. If we could visualize, I wonder if David could have visualized what would have happened after he saw Bathsheba on the roof. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6 and verse 7. But we can also practice agape love. In those relationships that we've already mentioned, if we can love those individuals in our lives and certainly love God in that way, how it will help us to be more successful when we are faced with temptation. Not only is love that which will show integrity, it is also that which shows ability. Love endures all things. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 7. Maybe we need to more effectively practice God's presence. To be able to understand what we know intellectually, but to to feel it on an intimate level, that God is an omnipresent God. Hananiah the seer said to King Asa in 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. Now that's for the benefit of those whose hearts are right with Him. I want the all-present God in His presence in my life to be a comfort to me and not a cause for my alarm. I also need to make sure that I'm protecting my environment. 
You know, Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that we're not going to always be successful with temptation. It's implied when it says that he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. We can't say that. But we can have great success by making sure that our environment sets us up for spiritual success. To make sure that we're not surrounded by those who are going to distort our moral compass. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. And then I need to arm myself with the necessary resources. Maybe so often you hear preachers and Bible class teachers falling back on the same spiritual disciplines. You need to grow your prayer life. You need to grow your study life in God's Word. But the reason why is that these are two of the greatest resources, the tools for success that we can anticipate to help us to overcome temptation. When Jesus faced temptation in Matthew 4, 1 through 10, He answered that every time with Scripture. As David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 and verse 11. And so as I look at what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, I pause for a moment and I say, let me think about Israel. Israel was faced with temptation. And no matter the goodness of God or the severity of God, however God tried to help and encourage them, they seemed to fall deeper and deeper into the sin problems that they had. They didn't try to resist. I mean, I think about some instances where you have the people of God who were punished because they complained. And what do they do in the face of that? They complain even more. You know, the other day I was reading about Korah and the rebellion of his people and how God takes out those 250 princes and their censers and the fire that they offered upon that. And Korah and uh, and Dathan and Abiram and their families are swallowed up by the earth. Wouldn't you think that in the face of that, that the people would fall humbly and say, we won't do that again, but instead they complain in the face of that. I don't think it's a mistake that our beautiful passage that encourages us is found or built on that foundation. Don't be like them. Instead, avail yourself of the resources that you have. There has no temptation taken you, but such is this common demand, the fellowship of others. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able but will with the temptation provide a means of escape, the faithfulness of God, that you may be able to bear it, the fortitude of your character. May God help us to take that, ingest that, and live it. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School. West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.